it's just cool. It's just like such a cool gift that everybody gets to soak up the gift of music in whichever way you want. You're listening to Small Minded, the podcast that believes being small is a good thing because small steps lead to big impact, small towns have a big heart, and small businesses play a big role in our modern way of life. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and here at Small Minded, we share stories and strategies to help small towns and small businesses flourish. Here's to a life well-lived, being small-minded. Hey there, listener. Welcome to the Small Minded Podcast. All month long in March, we are speaking with badass women. I have no better way to say it, but these are the women who I have handpicked as really just being examples of badasses. I swear, I swear that I'm not lacking vocabulary, but I just have no better term to use. These are women who are uplifting communities. These are women who are setting goals and driving towards them. These are women who have experienced trauma and worked through the trauma. These are women who have started businesses, raised families, like undergone some extreme physical and mental anguish, but they're here to tell their stories. And in today's episode, I sit down with my friend Callie Fitzgerald of Centrally Rooted in Dubuque, Iowa. Centrally Rooted's mission is to offer creative programming through music, art, yoga, in order to get individuals and families to work on themselves. And through the offerings at Centrally Rooted, like their Mindful Musicians program, the Rooted Lessons, Neurodynamic Music Therapy, Callie and her partners and teachers and educators and instructors, they are giving families in a historically underserved neighborhood the opportunity to connect with themselves and with their family members through the gift of music. In today's interview, Callie shares with us the importance of music in the development of children, the importance of music in overcoming trauma, and she just shares with us her unique story and how she is where she's at today. I know that throughout this episode, you will laugh, you will be inspired, you might cry, but I hope at the end, you just take away the beauty of Callie's story and how she turned some real hardships into real gifts for the families and individuals she serves. So without further ado, here's my friend Callie Fitzgerald of Centrally Rooted. Well, welcome to the podcast, Callie. Thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very honored. Um, as with a lot of the guests on this podcast, I know Callie personally. She's a great human being. She has helped our family immensely. And I just love that she has taken her business to the next level. And I'm so, so excited to share it with listeners today. So Callie, can you tell us, clue us in a little bit about who you are and in brief what you do at Centrally Rooted? Of course. Yeah. So my name is Callie Fitzgerald. I am a board certified music therapist, founder of Centrally Rooted and Mindful Musicians, um, mom to Ruby and wife to Kyle. So that's, that's who I am today. So tell me a little bit about Centrally Rooted. What I, we will get into the details as we go through today's interview, but tell me a little bit about Centrally Rooted. Why did you start it in recent months? And what is your goal with this business? Yeah, so I was lucky enough to just be at a place in my life where all of the cards stacked up in the way that they did perfectly. And I didn't even know this was part of my trajectory a year ago. So to see how it's fallen into place along the way has just been amazing to me. But in the shortest way possible to tell you, I have a vision of creating a center for developing and supporting positive mental health via creative expression. So although I come from the music therapy lens of things, I feel that this mission is way bigger than what I alone can provide. So 
I'm eager for it to evolve into including art therapists, yoga therapists, dance, play therapist, you name it, as long as it has the core mission of being something that builds confidence, resilience, that sort of thing in people. That's, that's pretty much, you know, that's the goal. And so I am open to however it, however it goes down. I think this is such a unique, cool idea, especially in this area um, where we live in Eastern Iowa. But as a lot of people know, and Callie knows too, like our family was touched by illness a few years back. And I didn't know the therapies available until we were in that space in our lives. And so knowing that there are play therapists and music therapists and art therapists to reach kids where they're at and help them get healthy or get strong or just like be able to express themselves. It's such a gift. And I'm so excited to see where Centrally Rooted goes in the years to come. Thanks. Yeah, I get that a lot with the music therapy aspect of things, especially because I think that generally speaking, music therapy is a newer profession overall, like in the 1940s is when it was developed here in the United States. But, um, you know, people think of it as, oh, that's nice. I love to listen to music and it feels good. And sure, that's one arm of music therapy, but music therapy is like an octopus that has 16 arms, you know, not even just eight. So for instance, it just depends on the type of therapy that you're certified in, but, um, it just like goes on and on how you can creatively be tasked with different music therapy clients because it's, it's the sky is the limit when it comes to reaching your clients. So if you have a client with a physical ailment, you can use instruments to sort of have them stretch their uh, mobility range and on and on. So we can get into more of that later, but that's just to give you a preview. Oh, yes, we will get into it. Okay. So how did you know or at what point in your life did you decide that, A, I really love music, but B, I really love music enough that this is going to be something that I pursue as a career path? Yeah. So um, ironically enough, my love for music kind of came out of my uh, hate of music. It's like, I don't even <laughs> want to say that, but my parents forced me to take private lessons weekly. And I despised it. I had a stomach ache every Wednesday. I had, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just excuse after excuse. And they were more stubborn than I was at that point. And I thought they had won that battle. Um, Come to find out I, I was the winner because, you know, I learned that not only was my skill set valuable, but it also created this enormous outlet for expression and just, you know, thinking about things in a different way. Um, And then when I found myself on stage in high school, I would say like that was a time where I, there was unparalleled joy within me that was just like, oh, this is my thing. Like, how do I do this forever? And at that point, you know, I didn't know if that was a reality or not because, you know, you hear, oh, you're going to be a performer. Like performers don't make any money and it's a hard path to travel. And Um, So I kind of just moved through all of that um, criticism with support, but found myself on a very fulfilling path for me. So I feel really grateful for that experience. So where did you go like post high school after you got the performing, like you felt that energy? Where did you go to pursue your education? Can you tell us a little bit about that space? I went to Clark, what was college at the time, is now university, um, and it was between a few different places. I was looking at the Turbo, I was looking at Clark, a few different places out of state, but I just didn't want to go far at that point, point. and Clark had a great program, and I believe still do, um, but I felt that they supported what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be, and I felt like they wanted me. Whereas like some other of the bigger universities were like, I was going to be lucky to be there sort of a thing. And mm-hmm. I had a, I had an ego inside of me at that point and still do at this point, but actively trying to shed it, you know, as we all have <laughs> work to do. Um, but so I went to Clark from undergrad degree in vocal performance and music education. Um, and then while I was there, I was kind of like, 
but I really love psychology too. Like, how is there any way that I can bridge music and psychology? And you hear that story a lot. I had no idea that music therapy even existed at that point in my life. So I was just like elated to find out there was a profession that I could, that I could actually subscribe to and like really get behind. So um, I took off, I took some time off a few years, four or five years, and then I returned to grad school at Colorado State University. Um, and their emphasis on music therapy was specifically neurologic music therapy. So, you know, figuring out how the brain is reacting to these different musical interventions and what we can do um, to better support the therapeutic experience for individuals. So it was a great program. I 100% loved it. It felt very well credentialed as evidence-based as music therapy can be. And it really gave me a good, a good place to start from really. Oh, that is, I love hearing how people got to where they are because I really believe that every, every step we take, it might not make sense in the moment, but when you look back, you go like, oh, that's why I did that. And that's why it led me to this. And now that's how I'm here today. And so I think it's fascinating that you were like, I love this music performance route that I'm headed, but I also love this other thing. And then you just found a way to bring them together and like your whole world opened up, it seems. Um, With neurologic music therapy, I know that you said that the program you took was very evidence-based, had a lot of credentials to it. Can you share a few of those like scientific, like proven ways that music therapy can help with neurological development? I would love to. Um, So one of the reasons why music therapy can be so effective is because that, you know, with a lot of other therapies, you have like your motor area of the brain, the speech area of the brain, you know, coordination, you know, balances back here and so on and so forth. Music has a way of like sneaking into each different area of the brain. And so there's really no limit for what can be reached. New pathways can be merged in the brain via music making. So like, for instance, a stroke victim who has lost their ability to speak, you know, their brocus area, it's usually what's affected when they have a stroke. And oftentimes it's in the left hemisphere. Um, But people don't usually realize that we also have a brocus area, which is creating speech in your right hemisphere. And so Via music making and just like melodic intonation therapy is what the technique is called. You actually can see um, with the brain scans and everything that neural pathways are being created with the music so that you take a client who cannot speak and you train them for a given amount of time with music. Like you're using musical phrases, for instance, like functional phrases, maybe. I mean, everybody has to go to the bathroom, right? So it's like, I have to go to the bathroom and you include some kinesthetic feedback, like they're tapping their leg while they're singing it. And you keep that going until it becomes easier for them. And then the goal eventually is to take away the music and they might just have the tapping. I have to go to the bathroom, you know? And then finally, the last step is like taking the beat out of it too. And they're actually speaking a functional sentence again. And it feels like impossible that that could work but it does. It's, it's amazing what music can do in the brain. So that's one example with a stroke victim that just, you know, popped into my head, but so many other examples. I've, I've had clients where kids with autism who showed a lot of regression and then they had never spoken word to their mother. And after so many sessions that we were singing hello, and eventually he said hello to mommy. And He actually, about probably six months after that, made the phrase, I love you, mommy. And you can imagine like the mom was just like, like he's like six years old and she's never heard him say that to her before. And he sung it to her. Me tear up, Callie. I know. I I have goosebumps every time I think about that story. So it's just cool. It's just like such a cool gift that everybody gets to soak up the gift of music in whichever way you want. Music is like, it's just such a gift. And I can't explain like all the ways. And I I know I'm sure you're the same way, but it's like, they're just, how do you, can you explain how you feel when you listen to like a certain song? And then to know that it can help people like 
get speech back and like videos on the internet of dementia patients and like being able to bring memory back. Like it's just amazing that music can not only evoke feeling, but also give you an opportunity to regain what you may have lost due to different health and illness circumstances. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, again, like people, when you don't know about something, it's hard to imagine what the possibilities of that something are until you see it firsthand. And you're like, oh, that makes so much sense. Okay. So this client can't reach over so and so, like they can't cross their midline, for instance. So that's what they're having a hard time with. Oh, but what if you play their favorite song for them and give them an instrument that's also giving them auditory feedback that they can, they're really, they're motivated by it, right? They, they want to be a part of making their favorite song happen. So all of a sudden, this client who wasn't motivated, they're reaching over their midline to be the big drum beat for their favorite song. And it's like, oh, well, look at that. Look what you're doing just because of your motivation. Like that's, it's intrinsically motivating. So there's the, that's the big ticket there. Oh, yes. It's, yeah, it taps into that motivation. That's perfect. I remember when Charlotte was in the hospital, like they started bringing therapists in for PT and OT, like probably within a couple of days of her being sedated. And there was obvious frustration on her part when she couldn't do the things that she had been so used to doing. But as soon as we brought a music therapist in and we were in Iowa City, so we didn't have Callie, but the music therapist that we worked with was like, Callie, I know her. I believe you guys like worked together, didn't you? Or yeah, cross paths somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's great too. And Iowa City is oh. a great place for music therapy because they have an awesome program in Iowa. But yes, go on. <laughs> yes. It, so it was just like small world. But yes, so as soon as the music therapist would come in, like you could just see a light in Charlotte's eye, like she would reach for those instruments. She'd reach for the drum. They played musical games with her to get her body moving. And it was like, she didn't even realize what she was accomplishing because she was so caught up in the music and just the enjoyment of it that she just kind of went with the flow and there was less resistance. And it kind of like broke some of those barriers that she may have had with a more traditional physical therapy setting. Totally. Yeah. That's what I always say is like the work is hidden. It just looks like play. Um, and so I've been using that concept because music is fun for everybody. You know, I've been using that concept of hiding the work in my therapy. And also now I've sort of tied that into the mindful musicians curriculum. So, yeah, what a perfect segue, because I was going to just ask you about mindful musicians. (laughs) So not only is Callie a licensed music therapist, but she's also a program, I don't even know what title to give you, a curriculum developer of this new program called Mindful Musicians, which Callie has in her building and her business at Centrally Rooted. So can you tell us a little bit about Mindful Musicians and then how you hide the work in play in that setting? I would love to. Yeah, this is a deep passion of mine. And I feel like so committed to this being important work that I'm doing. So share it loud as wide, as wide as you can. So I formally taught a really well-known international music program, kind of like the kinder music type of things, parent-child classes. They are great. They are developmentally appropriate. They are interactive. They're bonding time, all of that. It's all there. I love it. And, you know, on a side note for music competence, music competence in kids develops by the age of six years old, generally speaking. So why that's important is because with music competence comes along things like coordination, um, uh, more success in reading comprehension, verbal development, speech sequencing, all that stuff. So people might think like, oh, well, who cares if a kid like they don't need to be like the world's best violinist. Like, no, that's not what it's about. It's about just setting them up for, you know, having as most success they can. Rhythm development is like everything when it comes to that kind of stuff. But so I was teaching those classes. And at that time in my life, I lost my partner to suicide and found myself in a situation where I was like, really exploring the whys of it as anybody does when they lose somebody in that way. And I've started digging into him as a person and me as a person and 
his past and like, you know, thinking about what do we do for people that are struggling? We have a lot of programming set up. We have suicide hotline. We do what we can from a mental health perspective, but from, from my perspective, we're kind of in a crisis and I don't know that we do the best we can um, in a preventative way. So I was like, had this revelation, like, oh my gosh, between my life experiences and my educational experiences, my professional experiences, I have to do this. Like I have to write a music curriculum that has all the developmental goodness and the juicy stuff that was in the other curriculums, but all of the musical content is based in things like self-talk, confidence building, coping skills, emotional expression, accepting others, being a good friend, all of that. Every single song says something where these kids, the goal is to have these kids and parents who are involved in the classes getting used to language that is about self-love, basically. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's an eight-week course and they're 45-minute classes and we come and we get really vulnerable with each other. And, you know, some parents have told me like the first class, I was really scared because I don't consider myself a musician. And we always give ourselves titles or not titles. And it's like, it's Vegas in here. Just let it happen. Nothing's leaving this room. And the more you engage, the more your kid's going to get out of it and you're going to get out of it. And it's just been so cool. I've had parents telling me like, oh, well, after the kids went to bed, my husband was singing, chugging along in the kitchen and we're <laughs> chugging along together. I was like, that's great. That's perfect. I have another parent who's like, you know, we weren't going to sign up for the second session just because I was on maternity leave last session and I didn't think it was going to work in our schedules. And then when my daughter woke up every single morning asking if it was music class morning, I thought I have to find a way to make this work. And I'm just like, oh, just to know that, you know, kids are soaking this up and loving it and parents are also doing the same. I just, I don't have the evidence to support what I'm doing yet. Maybe someday I will, but from a behavioral, like what you can observe perspective, I see it all like really clearly. So hopefully it just continues to catch on. Oh, I think this is so, so, so cool. Like, Thank you. I've seen you obviously with some of the past teachings that you had done in years prior before Centrally Rooted's foundation, but learning about mindful musicians and the why behind it and the mission of mindful musicians education, like a, it's a difference maker for so many people and B it's just a beautiful way to be an advocate for people who need help. And it's a tool like you talked about earlier with neurodynamics. Like it's just a tool that helps people express themselves in times where it feels super uncomfortable or they're even like hesitant to express how they're really feeling. But giving them these tools is just going to be such a huge game changer. So I just want to give you all the kudos because it's so, so awesome to see this in real time as it's being developed and implemented. Thank you. I, I feel like, I feel like it's bigger than me. Again, I just feel it just flows and I am grateful to be the conduit of the flow. And, um, you know, I don't, I just think we do what we can as parents and everybody knows the struggles and how hard we try every day and the different ins and outs and am I doing enough and the guilt and all the things and it's like we're doing all that and with mindful musicians we can have moments to share together where it's not just a music class like it's giving more to them I was just talking with my husband about it last night and I was making an analogy which feels a little extreme now that I'm about to say it but I was like sometimes it feels like in the world today we send our children out into a burning building without their like fire coat on and their extinguisher and their hose and their gas mask. We, we don't. And then they run out and they're like, Oh, I got burned. And we're like, Oh, okay. Here are the tools you need. Put on your fire coat, put on your hat. Here's the hose. I'm like, I just want to give them the hoses and all the gear first before they run into, we're all going to, we're all going to hit suffering. We're all going to hit anxieties, traumas, depressions, because that's, 
part of life, but my goal is just to give them the tools before they have to hurt. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. And I think that's a great analogy. I think it's very smart to, <laughs> yeah, give them the protective gear before they have to encounter the fire. That's yeah. so smart. Um, and I was able to sit in on a class not very long ago and see some of it. And I a hundred percent agree. Like parents kind of let their guard down. I think they might've been a little self-conscious cause I was the newbie and like, <laughs> they're like, who is this lady? But, um, you could see the kids and parents were having and grandparents who were there and caregivers, you could see that they were having fun and they were like, there were parts of songs where they had, you incorporate actions so that it activates different areas of the brain as well, but also it stimulates like touch. And so there are parts of a certain song. I can't remember which one it was, but like the parents had to bear hug the kids and like roll back and forward. And so kids were giggling, parents were giggling and it like just broke down some of the guards that I think we put up. Like even as parents, I know that as a mom, sometimes I'm like, how many times did I nag my kids in this hour that we've been getting ready to go to school? And it's like, as a parent, I need to have those tools too to like notice that in myself. And I think Mindful Musicians does that just as much for parents as it does for kids too. Yeah, that's cool. I hope so. I hope that's the case. Um, and we don't we don't usually take the time in our busy worlds to just stop and play, unfortunately, as much as we should, mm-hmm. might. I hate to say should, but um, I do too. I'm I'm just as guilty of it. And it is. There's so many opportunities to have fun and bond with them. And each class follows the same structure, but it's different songs, each structure. So I know what you're talking about because we start with a hello and then we start with a chant because that activates a lot of areas of the brain. And then we do a lap song slash love song. So it's like this idea, the child feels very safe and loved in the space. And then we move into a bunch of other fun things, but there's, there's purpose behind every step of the way. And so the, the work here is really just figuring, I don't want to say it feels like brainwashing in a positive way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're getting people to chant positive things to themselves. You know, I am friendly. I am smart. I am creative. I've got a big heart. You know, I'm like, oh, when I hear kids chanting that stuff, I'm like, oh, this is just the best. This is the best thing in the world. So, it's so yeah, it's just, it's so great. And I can't imagine anybody doesn't feel uplifted and happy when they leave. It's so great. Thanks. Yeah, it's really fun. So I'm proud of it. I think it's really cool too, like seeing this from like a front row seat, I feel like sometimes that you are bringing in other educators as well and other musicians to experience this. As you are developing the curriculum, you're also bringing other people in to help you teach and then be advocates out in the community for it. So can you tell us why you decided to bring in others and what are your goals with Mindful Musicians one yeah, year, yeah. five years? Um, well, first of all, I am only half of the songwriting crew of Mindful Musicians. The other half is Scott McDermott, who's an insanely talented musician that never gives himself enough credit. So he doesn't live here anymore. He was a local at one time and now he flies in so that we can do our recordings every, you know, few months. Um, and it's such a fun week. It's such a slammed week, but he just, he's so good. So on the recordings you hear, he and I both, and I hope that he and I continue to be in this partnership forever and ever. Amen. Um, but I have two teachers who are locals, um, Jill Kleinbriel and Hannah von Mollert. Also, just super talented, good-hearted, bubbly, warm individuals that I am just lucky to have in my life. And um, it's important to me that, you know, that this grows and that the right people grow it. And I, I believe in them. I believe that they will, they will reach the right people. They have different circles of connectiveness than I do, um, different paths. But Um, My hope is for mindful musicians to continue doing what it's doing. You know, we offer three sessions a year and then a fourth bonus is a summer session shorter and it's kind of the best of session. So it's less of a commitment because who likes commitments in the summertime? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then uh, and then we have I'm hoping to write the curriculum so that we can market it to individuals online 
or to schools as part of their school curriculum so that it can actually get into the core of all of these schools. And I'm also writing, developing the curriculum so that we can offer a mindful musicians, big kids option. So that's just at the starting gate though. So that's so exciting. I think this is, I said it earlier, it's a game changer. I think it's going to have some wide reaching impact and you're going to help so many people. I think it's so awesome. Um, Okay. So mindful musicians is just part of what you do too. So can you tell us what else Centrally Rooted offers and include a little bit about your scholarship opportunity too? Yeah. 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 Um, So we've got mindful musicians, neurodynamic music therapy. We've covered those. We have rooted lessons. So Rooted Lessons is your traditional one-on-one music lessons. Currently, we have um, voice, piano, guitar, and ukulele. It follows the general curriculum or plan of what you would expect traditional music lessons to. However, I want to put more of an emphasis on the process rather than the product. So, I mean, no surprises there, right? Given everything else I've already set up until now, but... um, it's great. It's great if um, a student has great success in their musical career, but I'm more interested in how are they developing confidence through this? How are they developing their skills of self-reflection and growth and, um, you know, helping them prep through the visualization of performing and all the anxiety that goes with that. And so currently I teach and I have Brian and Mackenzie are also teachers that are both accepting um, new students right now. So um, that will grow as it will. You know, it's been on a good trajectory so far. And then who knows when we'll add more instruments to the offer. But that's where we're at with that one right now. Um, And then we have some guest rotating event series that we would love to have as a regular appearance. Um, Coming up this later this month, we'll start Yoga for Musicians. It's going to be led by Megan Gloss, who people locally might recognize. She's one of the editors for the TH um, and just an amazing singer. She's a fantastic yoga instructor. And she has written a six-week course that each week is going to be designed for a different part of the musician. So Maybe one week is based in posture, one week is uh, based in pranayama breath, one week is based in like visualization, confidence, anxiety, that sort of thing. Um, A few other ones that are just like, oh, I'm signing up. I'm already signed up (laughs) because I need to take that time for my own self-care. So so she's doing that. And yeah, we, we have a few other things that I won't completely unveil yet, but for the summer, we're hoping to incorporate some things that are like in the realm of dance and theater and that sort of a thing. Um, but again, all of it with the base being confidence building and whomever is attending these classes. So, but you mentioned the scholarship fund. So the scholarship fund is something that we're really proud of because our location here was chosen intentionally. We are sort of in an area of the city that is lower income generally. Um, and I wanted to be able to offer people that typically wouldn't have the opportunity to join these sorts of classes, the opportunity, especially when it comes to like mindful musicians and these kids that are so young and might otherwise, you know, have some negative experiences impacting their life course. I wanted to be able to provide a positive experience for them. So the scholarship fund is 100% donation based with the exception of every mindful musician enrollment, uh, $5 of that tuition goes towards the scholarship fund. So last November, we got a very generous donation from NAMI of Dubuque, which is an incredible organization. And we're so flattered that, you know, they have our back. They gave us $2,500 so that we could open our doors with that available to people. So that was just like, oh, I'm in tears about that because, you know, it's very humbling. But thankfully, um, people have been aware of it and applying for it. And so we are going to have a grand opening party on April 22nd. And the hope is to replenish the scholarship fund at that party and maybe then even add more to it. Who knows? 
but yeah, it's just all really, it feels good. It feels good to be able to give back to the community. And just last week, it was a new family joined session via the scholarship fund. And grandma brought in her little grandson and he has never had anything like this in his life. And she was just in tears. She's like, can I come every day? This is exactly what he needs. And I was like, oh, this is why I'm doing it. You know, tell everybody, tell anybody you want to come in here and We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get them in here. It's important. So. I I am so, I don't even have words. Like, this is so <laughs> cool. Like, it's one thing to have a business model that encourages music and development and self-confidence and self-care, but then to go to the next step of that and say, hey, I want to make sure that not only do we offer these services, but we offer them in a location that has historically been underserved, right? With these kind of things. And so then to have people get on board with this mission and see it like benefiting real actual people, what a gift and what a really cool thing you've got going here. Yeah. Thank you. I feel, I feel the same way again. It's just been like abundant. I mean, I feel grateful to be the person to bring this to the community. So it's just been an abundant season and I'm going to soak it up and try to give it back. Oh, so cool. As I'm looking at, like, obviously we're having a Zoom conversation, so listeners can't see this, but Callie's actually in Centrally Rooted and behind her, I can see the building. And I know you said that it was intentional for you to seek out a location that was in this area, but can you like maybe walk us through when did you find this location? How did you know this was the building? And then I feel like we need to bring Kyle into the story too, because he has been a huge part in getting the building open, correct? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, integral part, I would say wouldn't happen without him. Um, but that's funny you asked that because I was just hoping you would ask that question. Um, <laughs> uh, so last, it was actually last March, I was talking to him about my vision of mindful musicians. I was visiting my parents who were in Arizona at the time. And I was letting the constraints of the world we live in limit my dreaming capability, you know, and I'm like, oh, yes, I, I could see this. But then, like, it would probably cost too much money. And, da, 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 you know, he's like, hey, why don't you just get up in the morning tomorrow, journal it out, write exactly what you want and forget about the money. Just forget not that we have like loads and loads. He's not saying that he's just saying, don't let that limit you, you know. And so I did that. I woke up, I wrote, I manifested. And I was like very specific in my manifestation. I wrote things like, I still have the journal entry. I wrote things like large windows up in the front of the building, exposed brick, bathrooms near the back and upstairs area for studios and parking lot and back, like old building in a lower income area of town. I didn't talk to him at all that day until the afternoon when he called me and he's like, hey, I just walked through a building and I would be lying to say I couldn't see you in it, but no pressure, you know, just wanted to explain it to you a little bit. I'm like, yeah, tell me what, what did you see? He's like, um, large room with like windows up front, exposed brick, parking lot and back upstairs. There'd be like two or three studios. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like I have goosebumps, like remembering it because I was like, that's, that, did you read my journal? Like that is literally <laughs> what I just wrote down. He's like, we have to do it. I'm like, are you sure? Like it was so scary because it was such a leap. It was just an idea in my head at that point. And it didn't look how it looked today. Um, so we bought the building and he spent pretty much from June when we got access to it until September um, renovating the the open studio side of it and just completely gutting it out, rebuilding it into the, the space that it is today, which is, it's got its original hardwood floors that were being covered up. <laughs> you always find that. Oh and um, yeah, so now it's, we've got kitchenette and the little the bathroom that has a little potty in it, which is like every <laughs> little kid is like, I'm going to go potty at Kelly's potty. <laughs> like, I get it. I love it too. Um, <laughs> 
but the building has a lot of room for becoming whatever it is supposed to. So that that one side of the building is pretty much as we as we'd like it for now. But downstairs, we're building offices um, for a potential art therapy studio and a recording studio, um, which is hopefully going to be happening this summer. And then we have space to build upstairs as well. So, yeah, I I couldn't have done it not even a chance couldn't have done it without him. I mean, it's been a journey for myself in many ways as a business owner, as, you know, a person who's creating something new and putting myself out there, you have to do well being who I am. I've done a lot of journaling and reflecting and like, you know, looking at myself in the mirror and exploring my um, shortcomings and all that being hard on yourself and then like mm-hmm. finding room for growth and self-love and all that stuff all over again. But he has made it so much easier to just be a supportive partner who can also conveniently take care of anything I ask him to <laughs> take care of. <laughs> and he did all of this while we were, um, you know, planning our wedding and he built our wedding venue and he's just, you know, he's Superman. <laughs> the jack of all trades for sure. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. Gosh. Oh, my gosh. I think it's so, I mean, from the outside looking in, it seemed like a whirlwind. Like, oh, my yeah. gosh, Callie, like, because oh, I th- we did kind of skip some steps here. So, like, Callie was originally doing um, lesson, her rooted lessons. They weren't, like, called rooted lessons at the time, oh. but originally doing lessons and some therapy work out of her parents' house um, in Cascade, which is the town where I'm located. And so then it seemed like in 2021, like, oh, Callie's moving her lessons to Dubuque. That's so cool. Oh, Callie bought a building. Oh, my gosh. She's renovating it. Oh, my gosh. Callie's getting married. This is like, what (laughs) a year that you've had. I mean, it's been so exciting to see this for you, because as you alluded to earlier, like, you aren't without, like, some real challenges in your life story, but it's been so, I'm, it sounds so stupid, but like, I'm so proud of you because you took that and like, you've been able to create such beautiful things from your learning and your growth and your commitment. And yeah, I'm just so proud of you. It's so cool. Oh, I think, no, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And you had alluded to it earlier when you were saying about like, sometimes we make choices and we don't even know why we're making that choice. And it turns out this way or that way. And I, I feel that same way with, um, with suffering and, and pain that comes our way and is inevitably part of our experience of life. You know, it's all we can choose is how we react to it. So mm-hmm. it's like, I could have chosen a why me. And for a while I probably did, you know, you have to go through that process too, mm-hmm. but um, ultimately you know, from the pain that I experienced in the past, I feel really happy that I was able to reflect on it and grow it into something that I can hopefully help serve the future generations. Um, Because mental health is a hard thing to, you don't know, you can't see it, you know, it's not like a broken bone. Oh, now it's better. Like, no, it's, it's always pretty flexible back and forth. And we can just, we can, all we can do is our best to, you know, give it as much strength as we can from our end. So I think, thank you for your kind words. That's really sweet. I appreciate it. Well, and they're kind words, but they're also kind of selfish because, you know, I mean, looking back, like the stepping stones that we were talking about, like you came back to Cascade after the loss of your partner. And at that time I was working with your mom on some of her business stuff. So you and I had crossed paths. And then you talked about maybe like doing some lessons while you were back in town. And I was like, I have daughters who would be great at that. And so then you worked with <laughs> you Charlotte. You remember this story differently. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, this is how I remember it. And I was like, <laughs> then Charlotte got sick and I was like, Callie's also a music therapist. And then when we came back home after the hospital, like you were there and you like came to our house and worked with Charlotte and then we worked with you. And it's just like one of those things where I was like, for some reason, you had to go through the trauma that you did. And we did too. And yeah. but we were able to like see each other through that in a way. Yeah, no, I, I remember it as you like pulling me out of my stupor. Like I, I remember <laughs> sitting at my parents kitchen table and I was, you know, had Ruby 
who was then, you know, eight months old. And I was in pajamas, I'm sure, because that's all I wore in that depressing time. And you were like, hey, do you want to teach lessons to my kids? Because if you're in town, I would love that. And I was like, no, from my, like in my head, I was like, oh, I'm not ready for that, you know? And then I was like, well, am I ready for that? I guess maybe, you know, like you were the person that got me thinking like, maybe I, maybe I can still exist. Maybe I can do this after all. So I thank you for pulling me out of it. And here we are three, almost four years later. Oh my gosh. I know when you said Ruby was eight months, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she was so young. And now like, if you guys listening, go to, I don't know, is Ruby on Centrally Rooted's Facebook page doing some songs? Um, there might be a couple is in the recording. Yeah. That's not the wiggle waggle recording sample. That's oh. on there. Yeah. She's on the recording. She, Thank you. Talk about a kid that has some stage and performance presence. Ruby <laughs> has it all. <laughs> so it's, yeah. yeah, she's, she's great to watch. <laughs> yeah. It's well, pretty Kelly, fun. To have the, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. Say what you were going to say. Oh, with the recording sessions is what I was thinking. It's so fun to have like guest kids come in and to hear kids' voices on the recording, just something about their little voices on the recording, especially is like, oh gosh, like give me that all day long. So it's been a fun experience. And this past session, I had a couple of private students on the recording as well. So it's just like a treat for them too. That's so cool. Well, Callie, we are getting close on time. So I just have a couple things to wrap up. If you wouldn't mind giving the listeners ways that they can follow you online or connect with Centrally Rooted and your mission. Yeah. So www.centrallyrooted.com. That is the place to go for registration, for donating to the scholarship fund, for learning more about Rooted Lessons. Um, That's kind of our landing page. And then on Facebook, I have Molly Knuth Media representing me so amazingly. Um, (laughs) So our Facebook page is the other way um, to really contact us. And to see the kids doing some amazing things. I love that's my favorite part of the Facebook page. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Callie, we always end every episode of the podcast with what I call the small talk round. So I just come up with like random questions that I didn't give you in the prep. (laughs) Just kind of talk about them. All right. Okay. All right. Question number one. What's your all time favorite musical? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That's hard because it's like, is it a musical I was in or is a musical I've watched? Jeepers. I don't know why this is coming to mind because I don't think it's my favorite musical at all, but it's like so good. The last five years. Have you have you seen that or heard of that? No, I haven't. It's a two-person show, and it's like all music, and it's it's just a, a heartfelt one. I like it. Oh, awesome. Um, you'll have to ask next time we're in. The girls got tickets to Hamilton when it comes to <gasps> Des Moines, so you know that my girls love that. We were able to score okay, some okay. seats. So Hamilton, it's a totally different game than last five years. <laughs> Hamilton was so good. I saw it in Chicago, and it was. Though I was like literally on the edge of my seat and like singing every song like that annoying person in the audience, but <laughs> you have to, I feel like. <laughs> I knew you'd like that question. All right. Question number two, if you're not at Centrally Rooted, if you're not doing work stuff, what would we find you doing? Mm, I like hiking a lot. We hike at Mines of Spain. Um, we go over to our property in Wisconsin in Cassville and just hike around. Nobody knows what that property is or where it is. So it's like, feels pretty serene over there. Um, we also go up to Guttenberg a lot in the summertime. My parents have a cabin up there. So boating is pretty awesome for us too. Awesome. All right. Question number three. See, I don't even know what these questions are. They just kind of <laughs> like come to me. <laughs> Question number three. What was your first job as a kid or teenager? Um, I was a sandwich artist at Subway in Cascade, oh, Iowa. Nice. When it first opened. And I can't remember that was my very first job. Actually, prior to that, it wasn't like an official job because I don't know that anything was really official there. But at Grandma's Kitchen, I was behind the scenes in the kitchen with Cora and Nellie and Billy Sue and the whole crew. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, just like listener, when you think of like in a quintessentially like small town diner where like the stools were screwed to the floor, like that is grandma's kitchen. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And now it's what happy Joe's. <laughs> yep. It's got new life. It's been renovated. Yeah. It looks brand new. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it'll always be grandma's kitchen to those of us who yeah. grew up in the good old days. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's make this one the last question. So 2022, we are just in the early stages of the new year. What is one big thing that you want to do this year? I want to get my passport and get on out of here and get to a beach. (laughs) That is aspirational. (laughs) That's great. And I think it's been a decade since I've been like out of the country and on a beach. So we're going to do that at some point, the three of us. So we got to, we just got to get it in the books. <laughs> oh, love that. Well, Callie, thank you for being here today. Thank you for being so generous with your time and your story. And I'm so excited to see where you and Centrally Rooted are at six months, 12 months, five years thank from now. You. Yeah. Thanks so much for your support. I'm so honored to be here. So we'll just keep doing what we're doing. And I love it. Supporting each other and watching each other go far. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. Hey there. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Small Minded Podcast, the place on the internet where we celebrate small towns, small businesses, and the people who love them. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be forever grateful to have a review of your experience over on iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you tuned in today. And as always, we welcome you sharing this podcast with your friends and family on social. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Small Minded Podcast or at mollyknuthmedia.com slash podcast. Please go out, make today a good one. Take a small step towards a bigger impact. Here's to a life well lived being small minded. <laughs>